Have you been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work? What are you waiting for? Give my friends at Hoggett Injury Law a call. Their motto with us is personal. Known Darby Hoggett forever. We became good friends. In fact, many of his clients become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. So if you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give Darby's team a call at 1-833-HOGGETT. That's 1-833-H-O-G-G-A-T-T. Or visit the website at hoggettlaw.com. Welcome to the Broncos Podcast with Troy Rink. I am your host, Troy Rink from Denver 7, at least for now from Denver 7. If you haven't heard, and that's okay if you haven't, I am changing jobs. I am returning to the Denver Post, effective at the beginning of March. I will return to the Denver Post as a sports columnist. Feels like the one job in this media market I haven't done. I've been a beat reporter on the Rockies, beat reporter on the Broncos, a TV sports anchor, a Broncos insider, podcaster, done radio. And now I will be a sports columnist, and it is in so many ways a dream job. Part of the reason I left the Post eight years ago to go to Denver 7 is because I wanted to be a columnist at the Post, and it wasn't available to me that time. TV came up. I've had a wonderful journey for eight years, but now I'm going back. And the reaction to the news that was put out on social media by the Denver Post today around 1 p.m., To say I've been overwhelmed would be an understatement. Just a number of good wishes to people have reached out and texted me, 50, 60 texts, it feels like at least. Uh, The amount of people have reached out on social media, you know, encouraging me, you know, happy that I'm returning to the post, looking forward to my new role. I, I cannot tell you how gratifying it is how humbling it is so you guys are the best and if you weren't one of them uh, it doesn't matter because you were support the podcast you're great in your own way but the good news is i will still continue the broncos podcast now it might change a little bit there might be times that i focus on nuggets a little bit in the and the playoffs or the abs or another topic that blends in with Broncos, but I will still be doing the Broncos podcast. Uh, And so that makes me happy. I've built up an audience with the Broncos country. You guys have supported it. So it's not going anywhere, but I will not be out there every day like I am now. I will still write a lot about the Broncos, but I will also be covering other sports. So I want to be fully transparent there that the role will change, but I think it can be just as interesting, if not more so. Um, And the Broncos, as we know, are never not interesting. They haven't been very good the last eight years, but they've always been interesting. From the drama to the losing to the endless head coaching changes and coordinators and then staring at the possibility of a 14th new starting quarterback since Peyton Manning. And that's where we start today. The uncertainty about the roster. It begins and ends at the quarterback position. Are they going to move up in the draft to get somebody like a Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, stay put and get someone like J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix at 12? Do they get a Michael Pratt from Tulane in the second round, a Michael Penix? Or do they just get a bridge quarterback like Sam Darnold, which I think would be very high on the list. Keep an eye out for him. Sam Darnold to compete with Jared Stidham, pair him with the rookie. And Sam Darnold and Stidham winner, the winner makes the team, the loser gets cut. So many possibilities. But the reality is this, folks. The Broncos need better players. When you look at the landscape in the AFC with Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, the only way the Broncos are going to get better is the team around this quarterback is going to get better. Until you get a guy that can camouflage more blemishes than Revlon, you got to be great at that position. The Broncos aren't. They've been awful, and last year I'd say Russ was pedestrian, which was an improvement. But in the AFC, there's just... It's very difficult to climb that mountain 
without having a really talented roster or a quarterback who's got a future Hall of Fame uh, a future Hall of Fame resume and he's in his prime playing that way. And so I am bringing on Chad Brown this week. You guys should know him from CU. I was at CU when he was a star linebacker there, 15 years in the NFL. He works. For, he does work for Channel 9. He does work for ESPN National Radio. He calls college games. I love getting the insight, just like with Ryan Harris, on a guy who's a former player, broadcaster. He sees it through multiple lenses, and he can give you a point of view that's unique. And Chad is a guy, again, I've known for the better part of three decades. So I want you to hear what he has to say. Should the Broncos make a big trade? Should that include one of their star players? Where do they go from here in terms of linebacker? What about other positions other than quarterback? And what about CU and Coach Prime? You know, a university that's close to Chad's heart. What does he think is the year two fair evaluation of Coach Prime and the program? So we're going to get to all of that uh, and in a great conversation with Chad. And I want you to hear it, hear his insight. Let me know what you think. Reach out to me on social at Troy Ring, T-R-Y-R-E-N-C-K. We'll get to Chad after the break. Memories are for everyone. They can bring back goosebumps or reminders of great times in your life. This is where Most Valuable Portraits, Inc. comes in. They are hometown. They are led by my man, Max Vila. His company specializes in school portraits, yearbooks, team sports, and corporate events. They have 29 years of experience in the volume industry. You want it done right? Have Max and his guys do it. They have the best and most experienced photographers in the industry. As Max told me, we are here to serve. Give Max a call, 303-285-1033, 303-285-1033, or email Max at support at mostvaluableportraits.com. Hey, it's good to snow this weekend. You want to keep your home comfortable? Glass stores can add a nice touch. That's where Jamie Haig comes in. He and his wife, Lisa, run RBJ Glass. It's a family business. They pride themselves on customer service, honesty, and integrity. They put a glass store in our house. We love it. RBJ Glass installs European shower enclosures, standard shower glass. They do mirrors, window and glass replacement, insulated doggy doors, office cubicles, and small commercial storefronts. They have competitive prices and offer discounts to veterans, senior citizens, and have even accommodated single parents. So give my friend Jamie of RBJ Glass a call. That's Jamie, 720-883-3144, 720-883-3144, or email Jamie at rbjglass2017 at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Broncos Pod with Troy Rink. I'm your host, Troy Rink from Denver 7 and eventually the Denver Post. Thank you guys for supporting this pod. Again, I will keep doing the pod. And Broncos country, you're the best. And this week, we're talking Broncos. We're talking it with Chad Brown. Chad has this unique perspective on so many things regarding professional football. And what about that Patriots documentary that's coming out? He played for the Patriots. He's got some great sound on that as well. So let's not wait. Chad Brown, you're up next. Let's hear from Chad. And now I am joined by Chad Brown. I have known Chad since he was a star linebacker at CU at the University of Colorado when they dominated back then. That was a long time ago. 15 years in the NFL, three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, had huge seasons with Seahawks, Steelers, uh, ended his career uh, with the Patriots. And he, now he does, he works college games. He He's doing uh, Killing You With The Truth with my friend D-Mac. Uh, he is everywhere. He's a media presence. Chad, thank you so much for joining me, my man. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I can say all the kind things you said about me. I can put those back to you, knowing you since my days at CU. And it's been fun to see you rise in the game as well, my friend. Well, I appreciate that. Well, one thing that is not elevating or rising are the Broncos, although they've got the eight and nine, uh, which qualifies as progress. And I want to start there, Chad, and appeal to your expertise with the NFL. 
and your your knowledge of this market. Where do they go with quarterback? Let's start there. Do you see any way it's Valentine's Day? Is there is it make up or break up with Russell Wilson? We'll start there. And then I want to see kind of what you see the future at the position uh, with Sean Payton and this team. Well, I, I would have thought that it was an absolute breakup. But now that we're getting to the offseason phase of things, uh, the top 10 free agent quarterbacks who are out there, um, it's not exactly a list of guys who you think are going to take the Broncos into on, a, on a deep playoff run. The number one free agent quarterback is Kirk Cousins. He's going to want to be paid and will be paid highly. With the dead cap hit that the Broncos will suffer from this Russell Wilson deal, uh, Kirk Cousins doesn't seem like a, a likely possibility. Uh, below that would be Baker Mayfield. He's still probably going to be out of the Broncos' range because of this salary cap situation that this Russell Wilson situation split them in. So then you're down to Jacoby Brissett's and Ryan Tannehill's and Ty, uh, Tyler Huntley's and 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 Garner Minshew's and Joe Flacco's and Joshua Dobbs and those kind of guys. None of those guys strike fear in any defensive coordinator. None of those uh, guys, none of those names are going to make any Bronco fans really excited about next year. So that's just from a free agent standpoint. And then the Broncos are drafting 12th in the draft. Uh, I think the top three quarterbacks in the draft can certainly help. But the fourth and fifth guy, in my mind, that's J.J. McCarthy and that's Bo Nix. They don't fit what Sean Payton wants to do offensively. Sean Payton wants a pocket-style quarterback who he can put a play call in, who's going to execute the play as it's designed and as it's called. Far too often, Russell Wilson broke the pocket, threw to the wrong receiver. So if you're Sean Payton and you want to stack up plays on top of each other to set the defense up, well, if your two setup plays weren't run properly, then that third play, which is hopefully going to be the explosive play for a touchdown, it's never going to work because the defense has not been set up properly. So Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, I think they're quality quarterbacks. Clearly, J.J. McCarthy led the Michigan Wolverines to a national championship. But he's still not a Sean Payton-style quarterback that's going to take advantage of what Sean Payton does best as a play caller. So what do they do, Troy? They're in this difficult spot. The free agents that could help them are too expensive. The draft picks that could help them, uh, I don't know if they could get up to that part of the draft. And then what are they going to do with this $85 million dead cap hit? Do they trade Russell Wilson and take it all this year? which would hamstring any possibilities of being successful this year, right. or do they designate him a post-June 1st release and now divide it over the next two years, which would have an effect for two years? And either way, whether it's a full 85 or splitting it over the next two years, I believe even if you split it, it would still be the largest dead cap hit in NFL history. So the Broncos and the Broncos quarterback situation is in a really odd situation. It's going to be fascinating to see how Sean Payton, George Payton, and Greg Penner navigate all of this. Yeah, I mean, it, it, exactly. And the part of the issue is Sean Payton was brought here to win. If he was brought here to say, I'm going to rebuild. This is a long play. I'm not worried about next season. We can use it as a developmental year, kind of hit a reset button. It would make a lot more sense. The options would be clear. The problem is, he wants to win. His, he, he came here as a legacy play to get to the Hall of Fame, to lead an AFC team to the Super Bowl, if not win a Super Bowl. So how do you balance that with the obvious need at quarterback with the few options? I'd be surprised if Russell comes back, Chad, just me personally being out there every day, just because Russell knows he's not a fit. He knows that Sean Payton doesn't believe in him. Um, and he could come back and I could see him getting beaten out in camp by Jared Stidham, knowing how mm. Sean Payton thinks. <laughs> but... 
the one question I want to ask you, because you interesting, a lot of people are saying with JJ McCarthy, because I've kind of been cool on him only because of the fact I think he can go to one more year in college. I get why he's not going back, obviously, but they ran the heck out of the ball in Michigan. They weren't winning because of his passing game. He's athletic, good arm, but people say he's this hyper processor and he would fit uh, Sean Payton offense or Bo Nix would fit, but every pro guy I talked to says Sean Payton's offense, there's no chance a rookie would be able to come and run that right away. Well, I think even beyond the, the, the rookie status, J.J. McCarthy threw one touchdown pass in the final five games of the regular season. Now, they, of course, they ran the ball really well, to your point. Um, they had an amazing defense. So he didn't have to go out there and light it up. But if you're going to you know, project a college quarterback to the Sean Payton system, a guy who threw five, one touchdown in his final five games outside of the Big Ten Championship and, the, and then the National Championship playoff run, that doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. So even past the rookie or even looking past the rookie struggles, I'm not, still not sure if that's a really good fit. Um, you know, John Harbaugh is a bit of a quarterback whisperer. So there could be some hidden talents that, you know, never showed up on the field because of the skill and personnel on that Michigan football team. But I called the Big Ten Championship, the Michigan-Iowa game. You know, I saw him in person. I, I watched, you know, the five previous games before that. And I walked away thinking, yeah, this is a good college quarterback, but there's far better prospects that I've watched this year. Um, you know, uh, the the Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, Michael Penix, uh, Jaden McDaniel, all those guys are better players right now as an NFL prospect than J.J. McCarthy is. So even if you want to go that way because that's the cheapest way to go, uh, you're still going to suffer through a bit of a reset. Uh, because it's going to be a while before he can get up to speed. So then that if if that's the inevitable process, then why not just trade Russell Wilson, take the full $85 million dead cap hit this year since you're going to struggle anyway, and then, then you can start a new next year. You can have a full salary cap at your disposal. You'll probably trade away some high-priced veterans because, let's face facts, those guys are going to get nothing but older. And by the time your new window of – possibility is open, Garrett Bowles will probably be too old. Justin Simmons will probably be too old. Guys won't be worth the salaries you're paying them. So you could literally do the Madden thing and press the reset button and <laughs> be ready to roll next year in a way that would be impossible given any other circumstance in a, in a played out in a different way. So if the struggle is inevitable, then let's just do it all in one year. <laughs> I know. And it would make sense, especially if there's transparency. I just, the Broncos have never done it, at least not in my lifetime, That in terms of, especially as a media member, they are loath to ever hit a reset button and, and use the, I mean, rebuild is a dirty term to them and a number of re reasons. And I just think at this point, fans would understand it. Like, hey, Patrick Mahomes is in the division. The AFC has Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. We've got to get right. We got to get a team around a young quarterback. I don't. Know. But I, we were probably again. We're talking hypotheticals that I just don't see as possible with Sean Payton, D'Amico Ryan's. Then again, if you were going to go that route, then you needed a coach like D'Amico Ryan's, maybe who would buy into that. Because I can't see Payton buying into that. But we look at this rest of this roster. I want to appeal to your expertise. I like their linebackers, Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton. They don't need both of them. They're kind of the same guy. And I've talked about, I just, every time I watch this team chat and you watch college football, the Broncos look slow. They don't, anytime they face any team with real speed, whether it's Miami or Detroit or Houston, they just don't look like they're capable of competing because they're slow. 
Is linebacker a position of need? Where do you see let's go on the defensive side of the ball? Because I think at linebacker, at some point, they've got to have a sideline to sideline guy. Well, I think they still need some help up front as well. I don't yeah. think he's a great playmaker up, up, up front. I think Zach Allen is, is, is serviceable and uh, DJ Jones is is, is is serviceable. But there's nobody, if you are an opposing offensive line coach, where you're saying, we have to double team that guy. And once you have that guy, then it allows those linebackers to fast flow downhill. Now, obviously, Fred Warner is an incredible player. We got a chance to watch him during the 49ers uh, Super Bowl run. Uh, dynamic, downhill, fast, explosive into the backfield. But he can only play that way because they got some real horses up front for the 49ers. So that's what allows your linebackers to go from good players with true sideline to sideline players like you're looking for. You can't run sideline to sideline if you're constantly having defensive linemen pushed back into you. If they're only single blocking defensive linemen, guards already get up on your level. So if that's your design, if that's your plan, I want this guy to be my sideline to sideline player, my Ray Lewis, my my Luke Keekley, those kind of guys, then it's odd, but you got to invest in the horses up front to make that a possibility. Would you move on from Pat Sertan and back package him to go get a quarterback in this draft of given what you know of those quarterbacks? Because you, again, you do the college game, uh, you you cover college games. Would you consider moving him or you know paying that price, which would be either three ones or maybe two ones in Sertan, some combination thereof? Would you consider doing that given your knowledge of those top guys, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels? I absolutely would. Absolutely. When you are a team that is in need of so many pieces as the Broncos are, uh, a cornerback, a all-star cornerback even, is a luxury item. It doesn't move the needle forward. It, unless they improve all these other pieces around Pat Sertan, both defensively and offensively, the Broncos can still be, you know, 6-11. and 11. They can be 7-10 and 10 because a cornerback doesn't move the needle until you have all those other pieces in place. Cornerback is kind of a final piece. Uh, the Cowboys went want to win the Super Bowl. They got Deion Sanders because he's that final piece of the puzzle. A great cornerback on a team that doesn't score a lot of points doesn't do you a lot of good. So why not trade him to a team that is looking for that missing piece and be able to get some of that draft capital back? I'm not saying Pastor Tan is not a great player. He's tremendous. But given the roster construction process that the Broncos are in, it doesn't make you that much of a better team because they can avoid that side of the field, the opposing offense. And he doesn't make you a better defense until you have all these other pieces available to you. So I think that conversation has to be had. Uh, I've had this conversation for over a year now, the value of Pat Sertan and what he can do to get some of this draft capital back that the Broncos gave up to get Russell Wilson, that they gave up to get Sean Payton. Because otherwise, you're going to find yourself in this awful situation where you can't get the quarterback you want and you don't have the money in free agency. So that's one of the possible solutions to moving up in the draft and get one of those top quarterbacks. You know, is it a guarantee that Jaden Daniels or Drake May becomes the guy? Nope, there's no guarantee to it. Um, but I can guarantee you keeping things as they're going also is not going to find any level of success. It's, it, I love the way you explain it, too, how cornerback, even a great one, and Sertan is a great cornerback by any definition, but it, it's a luxury. It reminds me with the Rockies when they re-upped Daniel Bard and gave him his contract, like two years, whatever, $40 million. We love the Daniel Bard story. Having a closer on a team winning 60 games paying for makes no sense. I mean, you're going to win, whether he's on the team or not, you're going to win between 58 and 65 games. 
you know, so you're basically paying him out of, you know, loyalty and, and Satan wouldn't be loyalty, but to your point, you like, what, di- what difference is it going to make without a quarterback? The one argument I've heard with Sertan is if you look at guys who could be here, if they ever get back to a Super Bowl, he would be in that conversation, given his age, that would be the argument for me to keep him is if we ever get good, he's at an age and would be in his prime where he could be on that team. But to your point, you're saying we can't get that good without giving him up because we don't have a quarterback. <laughs> and, but then also, if you choose to keep him, then you got to pay him. Right. And then so he's going to want to get paid probably the highest paid cornerback in NFL history. So we're talking 20 plus million dollars a year um, for a team that, you know, would be still in a difficult salary cap situation, possibly. Uh, that's another factor there a- as well. So, uh, given the sa- possible salary demands, given the current trade value is probably at its highest because he's still under his rookie deal, I, it has to be explored by George Payton and Sean Payton. Absolutely. When you look at the offense, because you talked about on defense, like they don't have got enough guys or really guys where they say, we got to stop that guy. Where would you go offensively beyond quarter uh, quarterback? Obviously is the uncertainty there. Where would you look to improve? Do you keep bowls number one and, is there areas that you they need to finally rearrange that receiving room for you? Bring in a different tight end. Where do you go offensively beyond quarterback? And you're watching the film as you do and knowing this team the way you do. Greg Dulcich, um, there's a old saying: your best ability as a player is always going to be your availability. You can't show people what you do and how great you are until you're on the field. So Greg Dulcich is you know that perfect teaser player that has teases you with his talent. But his availability makes it a no-go for me. Um, you know, you, you mentioned I played 15 years. Most seasons I tried to play in all 16 games because that's how old I am. I played in 16 games, not 17. <laughs> um, but your greatest – if you're available every week, then coaches can generally put you in positions to be successful. But his availability is not there. So the tight end room I think needs an overhaul. The wide receiver room, they've got a couple of big contracts that are underperforming. And just like the defense – there's not a lot of speed in that room outside of Marvin Mims. So you don't have an explosive playmaker. You don't have somebody who can threaten the defense. You need some speed guys in order to get their safeties to respect the deep ball, which then opens things up underneath. So the offense quarterback clearly is a question of concern. Uh, the running back room, uh, I like Jaleel McLaughlin from an explosive standpoint, but he clearly can't be your number one guy. You need another guy in there. The wide receiver room, you need some speed and explosiveness. And the tight end room needs a complete overhaul. So there's – take your pick, Troy. Take your pick. Wh- whatever is the best skill offensive player available once you've handled the quarterback thing, that chances are that guy would come in and be able to help you. Well, and I, I want to appeal to your NFL expertise here. They're dropping a new documentary on the Patriots, a Michael Jordan-style documentary. It's like a 10-parter on Apple. And it said that, uh, I just want to ask you, just get your insight, that part of the reason Tom Brady left is just the, the brutal relationship with Bill Belichick by the end. Like, he couldn't take it anymore. And they even have him in the documentary saying that, that he could not see himself going back. How hard was it to play for the Patriots? And you were there with Tom. and You were teammates with him. How hard was that? Is And is it is always hard as a former player when you see stuff come out after the fact? Or is that just through the new media world we live in that, teams that are great that are always going to be captivating to us as a country 
I think, you know, the, the, the story of the band breaking up is, is as old as music and is as old as sports. It's always going to be a thing. Um, people wear on each other. This is how it goes. And in order to be a great football coach, you've got to always be pressing on your football team. So my time in New England was the greatest football experience I've ever had. But I was there for two and a half years right. versus Tom for 20. <laughs> and so, it, you know, obviously, how long can you sit in the front row of the meeting and get yelled at by this guy and not want to say, hey, man, I got some trophies in my trophy case. I got some MVPs up, up in my trophy case. I'm a current player and people are calling me the greatest of all time. How much longer can I do this? So I understand Tom's feelings. It's inevitable. Um, I've been in other partnerships with teams and businesses where at some point it just, we just go forward. We, we just reached a stalemate here. So I think for Tom to express that in the documentary, I think it's awesome that he's honest and truthful. Um, but at the same time, I think even in the midst of saying all that, Tom would also recognize that they don't get those six Super Bowl wins without Belichick being who Belichick is. Um, so part of the Patriot way was that Bill could yell at Tom, which then informed every other guy in the room that they were going to be held to account as well. Were you, in started, that room? were you in the room when they yelled at him? Was that that? I mean, I heard that from Wes Welker that it was like he got treated like he was third string quarterback, rookie quarterback. Was that the case when you were there? So uh, on a Monday after a loss, instead of being a highlight reel of all the great plays we had when we won, it would be a low light reel of things that, you know, Bill didn't want to see again. And so he's standing, he's in the team meeting, all the coaches, all the players there. Mr. Kraft is in the meeting and the film is playing up on the giant screen and Bill's got the red pointer. Tom, what the hell is this? We can get a guy from Foxborough High School to do a better job than this. It's like, that's Tom Brady. And you're comparing him to the, the kid at Foxborough High School. And that's probably the cleanest version of what I can give you that he would say to Tom. So Tom got dog cussed like everybody else. And again, that was part of the Patriot way. But once you've got all the skins on the wall that Tom Brady had, come on, man, just, just tone it down a little bit. But, you know, that's Bill. And that's probably, that's part of the reason why Bill it wasn't hired after being you know, let go by the Patriots. It's because I think owners recognize that there's a difficulty there and you've got to be ready to buy in full wholeheartedly into the Bill Belichick program. Otherwise people and feelings are going to get hurt within that relation within that building. Yeah. You can see how it works when you're winning, but the rigid, the rigidity and lack of adaptability when you're losing and you're in your seventies, I could see where an owner would be like, I don't see the end game here unless you're bringing him in literally like you need to, we're winning a Super Bowl this year with you, like in Dallas or somewhere where the team was kind of ready made. And we just need a cultural, if not shift, just the more accountability. But you've seen it. You have the unique perspective. You played forever. You were you know in the league. You cover NFL, but you also cover college. And when you look at that in terms of college, what, what happened at CU with Dion? Where do they go now with Dion in year two? I, I mean, as an alum, you know, full transparency. I love the attention. I love the fact they got put on the map. My my thinking, Chad, is in year two, it's fair to now evaluate Dion the coach, not the marketer, not the recruiter, not the influencer. Where are you with that? And is there a light at the end of this tunnel, or is it once Shadur's out, Travis Hunter's out, Shiloh's out, that Dion's you know going exit stage left as well? 
Uh, hopefully there's a longer, longer window than that. So we can see if Dion can actually coach. Um, we've seen all the other things, which are great. You brought eyeballs, you brought attention. The first three weeks of last season were magical for any, you know, Buffalo person. Uh, but then reality caught up with them. And then once reality caught up, then some of the ugliness also came out. When you talk during the season about how your offensive linemen are going to be replaced, um, that ain't coaching. That's not coaching. And if your plan is just, I'm going to go to the portal and get guys, don't you have a responsibility as a coach to coach guys up? Isn't player development part of what you do? As I think every great coach I've ever been around, while he certainly loved bringing great players in, really took the most pride in developing players. And I've called a number of Utah games over the last four or five years. They take two and three star recruits and turn them into four and five star players. That's the program out in Utah. They specialize in player development and it's gotten them into the top 10 in a place that you would not think would be easy to recruit. That would be easy to get four and five star recruits because they don't, they get very few, but they are constantly in the conversation every single year because of that player development aspect. So I think coach prime has got to shift some of his thinking into that. Yes. At some point, Yes, you want to go in the portal and get the next amazing player. But not every player shows up ready. And particularly now with all these transfers, and that's going to be your thing, then how do you run complex schemes if every year you're bringing in 11 new mercenaries to, to run your thing? You're going to struggle for the first four or five weeks where everyone gets up to speed? Or do you have some homegrown guys that you developed and now ready to play, who know the system backwards and forwards, they just needed to physically mature. They need some experience and playing time to get themselves on the field. I think you need a mix of both in today's college football. So, yeah, transfer portal is great. The flash, the confidence, the swagger, the whole glasses, coach prime, the different outfits for every game, all that's cool. But it only remains cool if you win football games. So bowl eligibility is the absolute minimum this year, the absolute minimum for this train to keep moving forward. Yeah, it's fascinating you say that too, because when you want to do development, you have to have continuity in your coaching staff. He's year two, he's got a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator. I mean, I get Pat Shermer was there, but that's another issue. It's hard to develop if you're changing the guys at the top as well, right? I mean, at some point, do you, don't you need consistency in, in staff as well? Absolutely. Uh, consistency of players, consistency and staff, because coaches need to develop within the system as well. Pat Shermer's never been around a coach like Coach Prime before. I can guarantee it, because there's never been another coach like Coach Prime. <laughs> so for those guys to then philosophically be on the same page, that doesn't happen in a couple of weeks. It takes consistency to make that happen. What does this guy want? Who are the players? What I loved about when I was with the Pittsburgh Steelers is it was we, they, we ran the same defense. So therefore, from a scouting department standpoint, when they want to bring in the next Kevin Green, the next Gray Lloyd, the next Chad Brown, the next Joey Porter, the next TJ Watt, all this long run of great outside linebackers in Pittsburgh, well, they know what they're looking for because the model is already set. So when they go and start scouting college players, they know exactly what they're looking for. A guy who maybe a college defensive end who was undersized, a bigger outside linebacker from a college standpoint, that's the model there. So once you start developing your model and you're not jumping from coordinator to coordinator, scheme to scheme, then it makes every part of it easier. It makes recruiting easier. It makes the transfer portal easier. It makes the 
player development aspect easier because everyone knows the players that fit the scheme. And then the, the, when soon as those players come on campus, they have an automatically better chance than players who don't fit the scheme. We're now asking them to learn a whole new skill set. So consistency is what makes your winning sustainable. And if you're always changing coordinators and always changing players, every year is always going to be a question mark as to how successful you could possibly be. Yeah, especially when you don't have Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter to help help soothe the put a little bit of bomb on the pain there. NIL is a big deal in college. You are you run a reptile business. Would you have had an NIL reptile deal, Chad, if you were in college today? Would you have been like posing with a boa like Jake the Snake Roberts from WWF? What was is that what I would have seen you on in a poster somewhere? I would certainly hope so. There are some large reptile products manufacturers who I'm sure could use a, a spokesperson. So if I were a you know top college football player known nationally, I could see that having some NIL possibilities. Uh, you know, I could be the zoo med spokesman or the the exoterra caging spokesman of some sort, something like that. I certainly would have gone for it. Um, these kids today, I keep seeing photos of kids getting out of their Lamborghinis and things like that. It's an amazing <laughs> time for college football players. I think in the next year or two, some of this will have to be reined back in. We've gotten way too deep into the wild, wild west aspect different states, different rules, teams in the same conferences under different rules. There's got to be some kind of uniformity to it all. And then I think it just it creates a haves and have not situation in the locker room as right. well when the offensive line doesn't get paid, but the quarterback and the running back get paid. So that's a weird situation, a weird dynamic within a locker room. So there's got to be a way where if we're going to start paying players and every player gets something, and the, the top guys, because of the NIL possibilities and the abilities to be spokespeople for something, they can go on and get other things. But everybody's got to get something because we're just creating this odd dynamic within the locker room, which I think doesn't create a cohesive team building atmosphere. Yeah, I've seen the like pictures of whether Shador or Travis, but you, you have tickets on their Lambo up in Boulder and thinking you guys were just hoping to get a pair of free shoes from the Foot Locker when I was there. <laughs> So, yes, the Rolls-Royce SUV that Shador drives, I was on campus and it had a boot on it because he didn't pay his parking ticket. So it's like the ultimate, you know, NIL gone wrong kind of story. There's enough money for you to buy a $450,000 SUV, yet and still you're a college kid, so you don't pay your parking tickets. And you had a boot on it. It was a perfect encapsulation of, of too much money, not enough responsibility. <laughs> well, Chad, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, man. I love seeing you on with DMAX stuff, like killing you with the truth. Uh, you can catch you. You're on, you do the ESPN games, you do uh, NFL games. I mean, where can people catch you out? Give them their Twitter handles to make sure people can get smarter by following you. Okay. My Twitter handle is at Chad Brown 94. Um, that's the only social media that I do. Um, I'm in a conversation that's been ongoing with ESPN for a while. Uh, I do a lot of ESPN fill-in work. I do ESPN weekend shows. In fact, I had the post-game, uh, post-Super Bowl show on ESPN radio nationally. So, uh, yeah, probably follow me on Twitter would be the best way to keep up with things because who knows what's going to happen this upcoming season. College, pro, ESPN, Compass Media, I don't know. I'll be talking into a, a microphone for somebody uh, this next season. And taking care of some snakes, some reptiles. And, uh, oh, absolutely. Always that is too.
Chad's the best. Again, I saw him at the very beginning of his career in Boulder, and it only got better. And now he's a um, he soon will be a media star. Uh, he'll be doing nationally. Again, if you've listened to Chad do a game, you want him to do a game. He, he Ryan Harris, two of the dudes I just love to listen to because I get smarter every time I hear you do a game, Chad. Thank you so much for joining me, my man. I appreciate you. Thanks, Troy. Thanks for having me on. Peace. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. He's got some great opinions on, you know, hey, trade Pat Sertan. Move up. Get your guy. He played for Bill Belichick. He was in the room when he Belichick compared Tom Brady to the quarterback at local Foxborough High. I mean, the guy played in 15 years in the league. Just such great perspective. Can't thank Chad enough for coming on the pod. Again, this pod would not be possible without the help of my friends at Mile High Sports and Nate Lundy, RBJ Glass with Jamie Haig, Hoggett Injury Law with Darby Hoggett, and my man Max Vila of Most Valuable Portraits, Inc. These are local businesses, folks. So if you have business in those areas, support them. Tell them I sent them your way. Broncos country, I am so grateful for your support of this podcast. I do the podcast for you. Happiness, that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day.